newcomer who may be, um, and we are just excited that you have chosen to worship with us this morning. Information going by on our screens this morning. Uh, this coming Wednesday, we will have our children's music and missions kickoff on Wednesday, September 7th. Everyone is invited to come Wednesday evening. We will have a hot dog supper at the picnic shelter at 5 o'clock, and then followed by our missions and music activities at 6 and 6.30 on Wednesday evening. And so we would invite you to come and join us on Wednesday. And also to take note that next Sunday is an exciting day for our church. Next Sunday will be Founders Day. Um, our, our former pastor, Buddy Corbin, will be speaking, and we will be having a covered dish luncheon after our worship next Sunday. And so we would invite you to come and join us for that special Sunday uh, next week. Uh, we also want to take notice that this weekend is Labor Day, um, and so our church office will be closed tomorrow. And so just please take note of that, that our church office will be closed. Uh, we also want to take notice that perhaps you noticed this morning that in our education building on either side, there are boxes placed there. Um, they are for the GAs. The GAs are currently collecting school supplies for some children and teachers in the community that may not have enough school supplies. And so we would invite you all and encourage you all to come by uh, the church this week or next Sunday and to drop off those school supplies in those boxes. We are excited that you have chosen to worship with us this morning. Um, and we invite you to continue to worship along with us at Boiling Springs Baptist Church. Each September, we focus on the North Carolina Missions Offering. There is an insert in your bulletin. There is an offering envelope in the pew pockets. The purpose of the North Carolina Missions Offering is to glorify God and prepare the way for Jesus. That's from John 15, 8. And Jesus sent out his disciples two by two to prepare the way. That's out of Luke 10. And we actually go out through our prayers, through our offering. And that is an important thing that we can be a part of the ministry. The offering is divided into several categories and I'm going to mention those believe we have a video that'll go up to show those for you. The uh, percentage for the North Carolina Baptist men out of the total in gathering is 41%. The church planning component is 28%. For the two missions camps, 15%. For the associational projects, 10%. And for mobilization ministry projects, 6%. The Baptist men use their funds in a number of ways, especially for disaster relief. Some of you remember that that was just recently in Louisiana, and that's where they were. The Baptist men have two medical dental buses, they also have facilities for health screening, and that ministry bus travels. Uh, the missions camps, the two missions camps are in Shelby, and we visited that one, and Red Springs. And we also need to be aware that some missions teams go out from our area as a part of going forth but not just into North Carolina, other states from the United, across the United States, and even into other parts of the world. 
Some of those are Honduras, Guatemala, Cuba, Armenia, Hungary, Romania, and the Ukraine. Uh, some of the missions teams are teaching English. Some are conducting sports and medical projects. And others are building homes for widows or making repairs in, to those homes where repairs are needed and they just do not have the supplies to do so. Um, we are to be the eyes, the hands, and the feet of Jesus, and we are to uh, lead in this way. The one thing I need to remind us that I think is important for us to remember is that every association receives back to the use of that association 10% of our total gift. And ours here at Boiling Springs, our goal is 2600 this year. And as we take a moment to pray, um, and then following that, there will be a video, a short video of the crisis emphasis. Father, we ask you to guide us to select the amount that we need to give, not just to do that as a money gift, but also to give of our time in praying for the projects and for the people going. And may we show your love to all of those with whom we come in contact. Help us to be your witnesses. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.
need your bulletin for the first hymn this morning as we stand. Grab your bulletin and let's listen to the words as we all sing, Speak, O Lord. bunch of stuff here. Looks sort of like winter, doesn't it? But then, what are these right here? Gloves. Did they get dirty by themselves? Nah. I'm going to put the dirty ones down on the floor. 
But then I got all other kinds of gloves too. What kind of gloves do we wear? When do we wear those kind of gloves? Any of them. When would we wear this? Snowy day. On a snowy day. That's right, Bailey. What do they do? Keep our hands warm. But look at this one right here. It's dirt. You wear it in the garden. You wear it in the garden. That's right, Bailey. We wear it in the garden. We get dirty, don't we? Well, I have a question for you. Did it get dirty by itself? No. Does it get? Does it keep your hand warm by itself? What do you have to do? Put it on. That's right. You put it on, and that's the only way to get it dirty, isn't it? Or that's the only way to keep your hand warm, isn't it? You put it on. Well, you know what? We're sort of like a glove too. Do you know that? Because you know who's inside of us every day. God. That's exactly right. God's inside of us every day. And he uses us. He protects us. He walks with us when we have problems. He comes to us when we pray to him. But we're like his glove. Because as we grow, we are going to be used more and more by God. Our verse last week during our backpack ministry and blessing was Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So when God puts on us, he strengthens us every day. He listens to us. He answers our prayers. And if we listen... He uses us to be friends to someone who needs a friend, to tell our teacher thank you sometimes, to tell our mom and dads that we love them. So just remember, through God, you can do anything as long as you ask and use him and then trust. So if you weren't here last Sunday, I want you to take one of these Attach it to your backpack because it's blessed as we did last Sunday. Yes. Going to tie a little string to it or something? I bet Dad can fix it for you. Can we have a prayer? Thank you. Dear Jesus, today is a beautiful day. Today God made us to enjoy his Sunday, to enjoy his life, that he has given us. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for these precious children. We ask that as their day begins each day now with school, that you keep them safe and watch over them as they experience a new life and a new day. It's through your son's name, Jesus, that we say amen. Yes, you may have one.
for number 601, please, as we sing to God, telling us that we need to know how to pray. Thank you. Stan? Second Corinthians 9 verse 7, chapter 9 verse 7 reads, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day and all the many blessings you've given each of us. I pray that we will all be cheerful givers as you have told us to. As we take this time in worship to give back a portion of what you have blessed us with, I pray you will use these tithes and offerings to glorify your name. It is in these things in your name that we pray. Amen.
Good morning. If you'll open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 14, I'll be reading verses 25 through 33. Uh, In your Pew Bible, it is page 908. I will be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Luke 14, verses 25 through 33. Now large crowds were traveling with him, and he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish all who see it, will begin to ridicule him, saying, The fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to wage war against another king will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If he cannot then, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. May God bless the reading of his word. Before I pray this morning, um, I want to mention just a couple things um, and then some prayer concerns, obviously, before I pray. But... This week, Sandy Quattlebaum was going to lead a class that began on Wednesday night, and that class will start the following Wednesday, so I wanted to mention that. Also, I recognize this morning we have many Garden Web students with us, and we welcome you to our services. Um, next Sunday, there will be a new class starting. Barbara Green, wave your hand, Barbara, back there. Barbara Green will be starting a new class over in the LEC in our gym uh, for college students and 20-somethings. So if you would fit, in, fit into that category, uh, Barbara would welcome you and others into that class. And so uh, we want to make you mindful of that. And also I'll be beginning a class for new members. We've had several over the last several months. And so I'll be contacting them more this week. But um, that class will be upstairs in our educational space as well. Uh, at this time, I want to recognize Roger Humphreys to come and say a brief word. Uh, in September, we have uh, Deacon nominations. And uh, Roger's going to say a quick word about that. Today we begin the process of deacon elections for next, the next rotation. Uh, the people who will be elected in, in this month will serve from uh, the beginning of 2017 until uh, the end of 2020. Uh, today each of you should have available a list of church membership with uh, the names of underlined of people who are not eligible to be elected. They're either currently serving or they have not been off the body of deacons long enough to be reelected. So bear those, that in mind when you're looking at the list. Next Sunday, you'll have the opportunity to nominate five people. Uh, and then on the last Sunday, the 25th of September, of the top 10 vote uh, getters, we will elect five to serve that next rotation. Uh, you may find this interesting, you may not. Uh, 
we have one deacon who is in his late 20s. We have none who are in their 30s, none who are in their 40s. The average age of the rest of us is over 65. Uh, now, we know that all of you are not 65, <laughs> but the average age is 65. Uh, that does not mean that you, we sh should elect anybody on the basis of age. We should not elect them on the basis of gender. We should look for the best people. But if we want to have young folk actively involved in our church, we might want to consider having them in actively involved in the leadership of the church. Uh, just keep those things in mind. But be, be prepared next week to nominate five people uh, for deacon for the next four years. Thank you. Thank you for that note, Roger. Um, prayer concerns, be, uh, continue to be in prayer for the family of Sonia Jones, who passed away unexpectedly this week. Um, to know Sonia, we're going to, uh, well, I don't know where to begin there, but uh, looking through and talking with family this week, we're in for about a four-hour funeral service next Saturday. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just kidding, but um, uh, bring a snack with you. But no, uh, we're, we're going to have uh, just a wonderful time to celebrate her life on Saturday at 2 o'clock. But we do grieve the loss of Sonia Jones this morning and be in prayer for Lyman and Elizabeth as they continue to uh, process this and plan a service for her uh, for this coming Saturday. Also continue to be in prayer for Sherry Cox. She is home. Uh, she is coming along, not where she wants to be at this point or hope to be, but she is doing better. And uh, she uh, very much appreciates the love and prayers of the church family at this time. We have others, Christine Alford, who is in Shelby. This is the mother of Heather Lennons in the hospital there. And so let's be in prayer for her and the family. And also we rejoice this morning with uh, Katie Stitzel in Austin in the birth of Elizabeth Grace uh, this week. And so we rejoice with them today. Will you join me in prayer this morning? Father, we have so much to give you praise for this morning. We're thankful that, Lord, you see us as we are and you love us anyway. God, you've, you've prepared a way for us to be with you and have fellowship with you through your son, Jesus Christ. And Father, help us to honor and live lives of gratitude um, because of that gift that you have given us. Lord, help us to thank you by the way that we live our lives. Father, we recognize this morning there are many who are grieving in our midst. And Father, we pray uh, not only for the family of Sonia Jones, but Lord, for others, Father, who are continuing to grieve the loss of a loved one. May you surround them and be that good shepherd to them this morning. Father, we pray for Sherry Cox and her continued healing. Lord, for Christine Alford. Lord, for others who we know are going through difficult health issues. Father, we pray that you would surround them with your presence. Lord, we rejoice with Katie and Austin Stitzel and extended family here in the church uh, over Elizabeth Grace. We continue to ask for your healing touch on Katie and Father, also Elizabeth, as she uh, continues to improve with, with her lungs and other things. Lord, God, we're thankful for this day. Uh, Lord, as we have looked to a passage already this morning that is a very difficult passage to read and an even more difficult passage to live out. And Father, remind us that you have not called us to an easy life where everything always goes the way that we would have it to go. But Father, you've called us to a life of sacrifice. You've called us to a life of service. And Father, help us to contemplate, help us to think and take to heart this morning what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's easy to follow the crowd and it's easy to, to say that we are a believer in many regards in today in, in today's society. But Lord, it's becoming increasingly hard and more difficult to truly be a follower of Christ Jesus and to be his disciple. So Father, teach us and give us some insight into what that looks like. And Father, convict us where we may be off the path there, God. 
Lord, help us uh, as we seek to worship you, as we seek to please you and honor you in everything that we do. Lord, bless our church, bless our uh, services today and and the, the continued music and song and the preaching of your word today and the choirs they sing. God, we're here to honor you today. And so, Father, may all of our words and actions, Father, bring you that glory and honor. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
as we prepare our hearts for the message, we are all going to stay seated and sing as Jesus sits beside us, Oh, how he loves you and me. have your Bibles, you may want to keep them open to Luke 14, 25 through 33. Thank you, Elizabeth, for reading that this morning. Thank you, choir, Roger, and Cheryl. Um, we suffered a big loss in the church this week. All of you know and knew Sonia Jones. Most of you knew her well, and she was the life of a party and would welcome, for years, welcome Garden Web students, even just last year. Had some Garden Web students in her home and befriended them, and uh, they would help her with cooking and just doing some other things as well. Uh, but this last Monday, and those of you who knew Sonia well, you knew some of her quirks or some of her things, and so this may not surprise you, but Monday morning, uh, it was about 9.30, and I'd still not made it into the office yet, and I got, I got in, and Heidi says, Keith, please call Sonia. She's called here about four times already, and she really wants to talk to you. And well, I was a little concerned. I didn't know, you know, what it might be. But when, I, when, I, when we talked finally later in the day, after several more back-and-forth phone calls of trying to catch each other... Um, she, she just wanted to tell me how much she enjoyed last Sunday. She said, Keith, the children were, were doing a great job leading us in worship. She said, we should use the children more in the services. And I, and I said, well, Sonia, I, I agree. We should use them more on a regular basis. And then she said, the talent show last night, Keith, it was so much fun. She said, these things are so, so good for our church just to be together and have this fellowship and this kind of thing. And I said, Sonia, I agree. And then she also told me, she said, Keith, uh, she said, you don't know how much, she said, this last week that I have missed uh, Alan and uh, his passing. For those of you who don't know her, her husband passed away a little over a year ago. And so she just wanted to call to tell me these things. Now, when the pastor gets that phone call, a lot of times, on, you, know, you know, normally it's not good when somebody's tried to call me that, that many times on a Monday morning. Uh, I was a little worried, you know, but she just wanted to tell me those things. And I, I, I prayed with her and talked with her and, and just enjoyed, enjoyed that time. But, um, you know, one of the things that was pointed out in what Sonia was saying is that the fellowship 
uh, and the, the involvement of the church family in what happened not only Sunday morning, but Sunday night. And uh, we have a lot of fun times as a church family, and, and we're, we're, we're getting somewhere with this this morning, but we have a lot of fun times. We, we do talent shows, we have barbecues, we have a hot dog supper, which I encourage you all to come to this Wednesday night at 5 at the picnic shelter. Uh, some services are more enjoyable than other services. Um, when, you, when you're talking about certain topics or certain scriptures or singing certain anthems or songs as a congregation, there are certain things that we do that are very enjoyable as a church family. And, and um, simply, there's simply like, like I said, sermons that are easier to preach and easier to hear for a congregation. The text that we have this morning and the sermon that you will hear this morning is not an easy text, and it's not an easy message to hear. It's much easier to hear about hot dog fellowships and talent shows and God's love than it is to hear about sacrifice, than it is to hear about bearing our own cross and getting rid of all of our possessions. I thought about that this week. And I thought about, you know, what would this look like for a welcome strategy for the church? You know, when we're communicating who we are as a church, it, it wouldn't have the same kind of ring if we said to people, well, uh, welcome to Bowling Springs. Uh, we encourage people to hate their families and hate, uh, hate themselves, carry their cross, and to give up everything they have. We're glad that you're here. Hope you come back. That doesn't have quite the same kind of ring to it, does it? As we talk about God's love and that we're glad you're here and we have a fellowship this evening, it's just, it doesn't compare uh, in comparison. Um, but yet we have what we have, and it's a very difficult text. So what do we do with the passage that we have? It's, it's, it's tough. How do we respond? One option, uh, tongue-in-cheek, could be that we take it literally and that we hate our family. And some of you think, well, Pastor Keith, I've been doing this already. I don't like my family. Now I've got a biblical reason to do it. Uh, that's not what the passage is saying. I would not encourage you to hate your family. Um, the second option would be to just ignore it. You say, well, Keith, we just don't know why Jesus said this. It goes against love your neighbor as yourself, and it goes against everything that Jesus stood for. Uh, we don't really know why he said it. I'm sure there's a good reason, and so we should just ignore it and, and go on with the other messages that, that surround this. Well, that would certainly be an option, not, not a good one. The third option would be to acknowledge that Jesus is asking for something here, that he's asking for total commitment. He's asking for single-minded focus, and that being a disciple of Jesus is something that we should take seriously. The qualifications Jesus puts for being his disciples, to being his disciples, were and are offensive and radical, not only to the people of this day and to the large crowds that were following Jesus, but to many of us today as well. What's going on in the text? In verse um, 25, we see that large crowds were going along with him, and he turned and said to them. Now, let me remind you, this is the time in the text here when if, there was, if you had a headache, Jesus would heal it. If you had a footache, Jesus would heal it. If you were uh, lame or blind, Jesus would, would heal you. If your bellies were empty, Jesus would fill them. The popularity of Jesus at this moment in this text is, almost, is at its peak, and crowds are following Jesus. They want to be near Jesus. But as you and I know, it's different to be in the crowd following Jesus and to be his true disciple. Many thought being a part of the crowd constitutes being one of the disciples, and we know that this is not the case. You would have expected Jesus, with these crowds following, to turn around and say, Come, come, come to the Spirit, come to the kingdom, come receive the water of life. But yet, at this time, Jesus turns and says, Count. He says, Count the cost. Count the expense to you. Count the price of being my disciple. 
Jesus looked over the great crowds that were following him and listening to him. Um, you would have thought he would have made it easy, that he would put the bar of discipleship kind of low. Like I said, you know, uh, come to the hot dog supper. Come to the, I'm going to be teaching tonight at 7. Jesus could have said, why don't you come to this? We're going to have fellowship and we're going to have some food and invite all of your friends and we'll have an even bigger crowd. Jesus didn't do that. He didn't respond in those ways. You would have thought he would have said, it's easy to be my disciple. Love your wife, love your kids, show up to work on time, be nice to your neighbor next door, go to the synagogue. It's easy to be my disciple. But it's interesting that Jesus didn't let the crowd control his message or control the truth. I read this week that Jesus did not want a large number of little bit disciples who needed a little bit of prayer, a little bit of commitment, a little bit of dedication, a little bit of love, Jesus didn't want 120 little bit Christians, but he wanted 12 disciples who were truly committed to prayer, to discipleship, to being ruled by Jesus as their king. And with these 12 dedicated disciples, Jesus would change the world. And today, more than a a billion people gather to worship Jesus, not because of little bit Christians, but because of those who pay the high cost of discipleship. Jesus quickly clarified what it means to be one of his disciples. More than admiring him or traveling with him, Jesus knew that if he was going to start a new movement and fight against spiritual strongholds, which he did, he needs people that he can count on. If you're getting, to ready, if you're getting ready to do something big, uh, if you're a coach, I think about college football right now, if a coach is getting ready to have a winning team for college football, he doesn't want people that just simply enjoy being on the team. He's going to have to uh, have athletes that have counted the cost. Uh, when I was at Gardner-Webb, uh, I played a little basketball in high school, and I, my freshman year I had talked to the then coach, whose name I'm forgetting right now, at Gardner-Webb, and he said, well, if you wanted to, 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 to try to be a walk-on, you could come to tryouts and that kind of thing. And I decided not to do that because I counted the cost of what it meant to be a college athlete, and we may have some here today, I don't know, but I realized that was not a cost that I was willing to to sacrifice. I had involvement in other things and weekend ministry things, and I just enjoyed other things. And I knew that if I were to go that route with college and try my my best to do that, that that would be all-consuming. I would have to count the cost. There would be a lot of other things that I could not do. And here today, Jesus is asking those in that large crowd to count the cost of what it means to following him. In saying what he did, he wasn't telling his admirers to go away. He was telling them not to confuse them. For disciples, the cost would be great. The stakes of Jesus' mission and ministry in the world are high, and not all will and not all do respond to a call to discipleship. What makes this passage so difficult and so daunting is the language makes us so uncomfortable. There's no easy way to say, well, this is what hate means. I mean, hate means what it means. It, you know, what does the text say? You know, what, how's it inter- well, it says what it says, and right here it says hate. Uh, but we, all, we also know as well that, well, when I was a kid, I read this for the first time, this was terrible. It left me very uncomfortable, and it, and it may many of us still today as well. But I came to understand, just as, as many of you have as well, Jesus is using hyperbole. He's using hy- hyperbolic or rhetorical language to make his point. But that didn't remove the deep uneasiness that it still leaves within us. Jesus is saying to us not to literally hate our family, but to make him the most important thing in our lives. Jesus makes it clear to his followers to count the cost of discipleship. I'm convinced that one of the biggest threats to the Christian faith in America is not secularization. 
not even the nuns or the duns that we now read about, um, but the biggest threat is nominal Christianity. Shallow and uncommittal faith does not breed vital believers in congregations. Who would want to be attracted to such a lame faith? Where we just said, well, everything's easy and uh, we just, we come together and we talk about God's love and we have our hot dog suppers, but they don't see how Christ makes a difference in our lives. They don't see us how we are when tragedy and crisis strikes our family and we don't know what to do, but we turn to the Lord. Does the world, does America today see a Christian, does America see a church, does the world see a church today that turns to our Savior even in the midst of us not understanding everything that's going on around us, but when, when confusion and when crisis and when tragedy and, and, and death visits our home, when we're going through difficult situations within our family and within our communities, when we have these struggles that exist all around us and we could go on and on, does the world see Christians who trust and believe what they say they believe? There is a cost to discipleship, but there's also incredible rewards, a life of meaning, a life of purpose, of service and vitality, a life of hope. But again, there is a cost. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ demands our commitment in terms of our time, our attention, and our money, a commitment many believers wrestle with making. So many different things demanding our time and attention. Uh, if you're a parent of a child or, or young children or, or have family, or, or regardless if you have children, there's, there's a, only a certain amount of time in the day there's only a certain amount of money in the bank account. There's only a certain amount of resources and, and other things that, that we can be doing. And how is God causing us, how is he calling us and asking us to use those things? We have such a, a demand of commitment for, the, for our time, our attention, and for our, our um, financial resources as well. The notion of sacrifice itself has become something of taboo in our world, of easy convenience, of instant gratification. Don't we risk driving even more people away by asking them to give up different things for church? People are already sacrificing a lot for their children, their time, again, their, their careers. We make sacrifices for the things that are important to us. In today's passage, Jesus challenges us that, the, that following him as a disciple should be important to us as well. It should be a priority. I'm asking you to allow Jesus' words in this passage to get equal time, to look, at, look at, um, to look at your life over the course of time and ask, what is, the most, what is most important to me and what do I hope for my family? It's one thing for us to, to live for Christ in the moment. It's another to, to think about the long haul, to think about the big picture and to think about what that might mean, what sacrifice that might mean. We know if you have accomplished anything as far as career or athletically or whatever your accomplishments may be musically, you know that you have to put in the time, whether it's singing, whether it's playing an instrument. God bless, I'm still trying to learn how to play the guitar. I tried last Sunday night in the talent show, but I'm still working on it. But it takes time, and sometimes I don't always have the time or the dedication that I need, sacrifice, if you will, to learn how to play that guitar. I need that. But uh, it takes time if we want to, uh, and sacrifice. We could be time that we could be spending doing something else, money that we could be spending doing something else. But that sacrifice and following Christ and that commitment must be a priority. The subject of discipleship is not about our eternal destiny. God has already taken, he's taken care of that. This is about the caliber and the character of our Christian lives. And like anything else worth doing, discipleship takes energy. It takes work and it takes practice in word and it takes 
In one word, it takes sacrifice. Psychological research, research indicates that we actually value more highly those things which we sacrifice. For those of you who were given certain things as a child, you probably did what most children would do. You didn't take care of them as well as if you had what? Earned the money or earned those, purchased those things yourself. I discovered that in high school when I started purchasing some sound equipment and I started purchasing some things with my own money. I remember my sister, as she was older, going through that as well. And when you start spending your own money, your hard earned was it was mowing the yard or raking up a yard or the leaves or something like that. When you start spending your money as a kid on those things, you begin to look at them in a different light. We value those things in which we have sacrificed for. So perhaps part of the mainline malaise can be attributed to the fact that out of nothing but good intentions, we've made church a little bit too easy. If nothing else, this this week's passage invites us to reconsider that strategy. I want to close by mentioning two books. Well, a book and a poem. Uh, When I read this passage earlier in the week, I could not help but think of Dietrich Bonhoeffer's The Cost of Discipleship. For those of you who have read this book, you know that it's not an easy read. It's not a a fun read, but it challenges us. Uh, It challenges you. It challenges uh, any of those who who read it with uh, some deep, deep things of some of which we may not be ready to to answer. Um, He has this quote in there about cheap grace. He says, cheap grace is the grace we bestow on ourselves. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. It's baptism without church discipline. It's communion without confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. Another famous quote, probably the most famous quote from his Cost of Discipleship book was, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. When Bonhoeffer deals specifically with this passage, he makes the point that when it comes to discipleship, we must each make the decision for ourselves. It doesn't matter if our mom and dad made the decision. It doesn't matter if those closest to us made this decision. It doesn't matter if all those at church or in our community made this decision. But when it comes to the cost of discipleship, each of us must answer that call ourselves. Are we going to be a follower of Jesus Christ with the crowds? Are we going to be a disciple that's willing to count the cost and to follow Christ, whatever that may mean and whatever that might look like? The poem that I'm thinking of is Robert Frost's poem. Many of you know this poem. It's a very popular poem, The Road Not Taken. It describes two roads discovered while walking in the woods. And Frost knows that he can only explore one, and he tells himself that someday he will travel the other, but realistically he knows that he will never return to be able to do that. And by the time we reach the end of the poem, we realize the poet is talking about something infinitely more important than a simple choice of paths. But he says these words. He says, I sh- Robert Frost says, I shall be telling this with a sigh. Somewhere ages and ages hence, two roads diverged in a wood, and I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. It's evident that Frost is not talking about paths in a wood, but the choice of paths in a person's life. The path of discipleship is a path less traveled, a path that few take in life, but a path that makes all the difference, to use the words of Robert Frost. Are you a disciple today? Have you counted the cost of what that means and what that looks like? Are you a follower that Jesus turned to and said some pretty harsh words? 
The text before us today calls us to answer that question ourselves. Are we a disciple? Or are we one in the crowd that just simply enjoys the hot dog suppers and enjoys the fellowship and enjoys um, the feel-good services? Are we that disciple that is willing to count the cost and we're willing to trust Christ when the bank account doesn't look good and when everything around us seems to be falling apart? In whom do we put our faith? Let's count the cost this morning. Father, we thank you for this scripture passage. Lord, there's so much more here that we could get into. There's so much more that needs to be uh, preached and discussed and, and looked at in a more deeper way. Father, take these words, these words that are uncomfortable to read and uncomfortable to, to hear, and Father, even more uncomfortable to live out. And Father, help us to be willing to count the cost of what it means to be your disciple. God, you've never promised us that it would be easy, but the one thing that you did promise us is that you would be with us and that you would never leave us nor forsake us. I pray for each one here today, those that are grieving, those that are going through difficult trials at work, the college student that's with us this morning that's faced with uh, classes that seem to be a little bit harder than they maybe once anticipated, uh, or uh, dealing with issues at at home or, or other issues with friends. Father, we each have our own baggage that we bring into this place today. Father, help us to be willing to count the cost. Help us to be willing to evaluate where we are in our relationship with you. And are we carrying the cross ourselves and are we willing to make the sacrifices the last verse of this passage even said willing to give up all of our possessions father help us to ask to whom we follow and to whom we serve today and father if there's um, some recommitment that needs to take place if there is some confession um, and prayers that need to be prayed father help us to have the strength to do those this morning to do that lord we love you we do thank you for the cross of jesus christ the cross which Uh, a perfect man uh, that you were, went and died. And because of that death and that burial and that resurrection, Father, uh, not only did you have victory over death in the grave, but you promised us that we do as well if we will put our faith and trust in you. Father, speak to our hearts this morning and challenge us and lead us back to a closer walk with you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn that is familiar to many this morning, an oldie but a goodie, I Surrender All, and it reminds us of the sacrifice and the commitment that Christ has asked of us. Let these words speak to your heart. Let's stand and sing. 275, please stand. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for for these moments together.
as a body who seeks to worship and to honor you. Thank you for the wonderful ways that this congregation serves each other, how we serve you, and how we serve our community, both in times of great joy and in times of difficulty and hardship and sorrow. We pray that you would be with each of us, dismiss us with your love, and may we learn to serve you faithfully day by day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.